The first reading is from Acts chapter 5, verses 27 to 32. That's on page 1097 in the Church Bibles. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and saviour, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading is a reading from the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verses 4 to 8 and can be found on the Church Bibles on page 1,233. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is a faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be the glory and power for ever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. This is the word of the Lord. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. 
Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In our cycle of, of Bible readings, oh, before I start, by the way, you sang that last song beautifully. Lovely desk camp there. Yeah. Um, in our cycle of Bible readings, um, we've come through Lent where we've thought quite a bit about perhaps our, our walk with God, um, about the need for repentance and faith and trust in Jesus. Um, we've been through the Easter story of, of Christ's death and his resurrection. And. Um, and Christ is risen, and we now come, I think, to one of the most exciting parts of the New Testament. And uh, <clears throat> why, is it, why is it exciting? Well, because once these followers of Jesus who had lived with him and breathed with him and eaten with him and travelled around with him, watched him go to the cross, die on the cross and rise again and return to his Father in heaven, once that was behind them, They had to decide what to do next. And uh, what were they going to do in response to all that had taken place? And the answer is that they began to form a new community. Why is this exciting to us? Well, I think it's exciting because this new community was the forerunner of what was to to become called the church. And so it's exciting because we can glimpse through the letters in the New Testament and the Acts of the Apostles, we can get a glimpse of that new community, a sense of the the characteristics of that new community. And so we can ask ourselves today, does our church have those same characteristics? And we can celebrate the ways in which that it does, but we can also think about how we can change the ways in which it doesn't. We can change ourselves to be part of growing our church community to reflect those characteristics of the new community and look at the priorities of that new community which grew directly out of the crucified and risen Jesus. And this subject is very similar to what we're going to be studying in our midweek fellowship group which starts on Wednesday night, I mentioned earlier. So just have a look at this two-minute taster of what we're going to be looking at in our midweek fellowship group. God calls us all to make a difference in our communities, in our nation and in our world. And this brand new resource, Inside Out, will equip and inspire you to do just that. Inside Out is a fantastic opportunity to change your life, transform your church and love your community. It's a six session course designed to be studied in small groups, as a whole church or even as a group of churches. We've gathered together some world class Bible teachers and some really exciting practitioners to give us advice and inspiration in how we make a difference for God both locally and globally. What does it mean to show God's mercy to those most at need in our society? How do we influence for God's justice at every aspect of the public life of our communities? 
How do we equip Christians to live distinctively Christianized, whatever they're doing? And what does it mean practically to share the gospel in evangelism day by day? If you really have experienced grace, you look at a poor person, you're looking in a mirror. Church isn't there to box us in, but we should be living and worshipping as though the church has no walls. Often the story can only be told when something has been done which forces people to ask the question. Now is a fantastic time to be alive as a Christian. I believe God is turning his church inside out so that we can turn the world upside down. So come and get involved. Come and click on the website. Let's get started. Anything which will help Christians to think from the inside of their lives being transformed to how they then look on the outside and what they say to the outside is bound to be important. By the time you finish, you feel emboldened to be transformed by God, to transform your church and to go out and change your world. When the people of God get filled with the Spirit of God, we change the world in His name and Inside Out will help you to do that. Thank you, Johnny. Well, that was promising a lot, wasn't it? <laughs> but do come along on, a Wednesday, on Wednesday evening at 7.30 here in the church for the Midweek Fellowship Group and join us for that. Um, and over the next few weeks, what we're going to be doing is looking at a number of different characteristics of this new community that formed after the death and resurrection of Jesus. Um, uh, we're going to look at characteristics linked with the Bible readings each Sunday that will help us to understand a bit more clearly where we need to be growing in our Christian lives and how we might reimagine church um, to touch the communities and the world that we live in. And from the readings that we've heard this morning, the particular aspect that I want to focus on of that new community this morning is that it was a witnessing community. Um, And as we look at what it meant to be a witnessing community, we're going to consider the the what, the why, the how, the when, and the where, and the who of witnessing. Now that sounds like an awful lot to cover, and in one sense it is, um, but at least four of those points um, require a very short explanation, and two of them a little bit more. So here we go. First of all, what is a witness? Well, I'm going to primarily focus on the passage we heard read from Acts. So uh, if you've got your Bibles with you and you'd like to turn to page 1097, um, then that's the passage you're going to primarily focus on. And we're looking at 1097, it's it's verses 27 to 32. Now, it's a short passage, but it needs a small amount of explanation. The apostles, who are Jesus' closest disciples are in Jerusalem, and the authorities have forbidden them from teaching about Jesus and the resurrection. They've already been arrested once and imprisoned, but during the night an angel from God has opened the prison doors and released them, and now they have been re-arrested after being found back in the temple courts, continuing to teach about Jesus. And so they've been brought in to appear before the Sanhedrin, it was called, in verse 27, um, That's the Jewish religious court. And the high priest says, we gave you strict orders not to teach in Jesus' name, yet you filled Jerusalem with your teaching. They obviously weren't very obedient. And how does Peter respond to that? In verse 29, he says, we must obey God rather than human beings. And after a little more explanation, he says in verse 32, 
We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. So the answer to the first question, what is a witness, is given in this passage. Witnessing is not simply about seeing or hearing or experiencing something. It is about doing that, but then it's about telling others about what you have seen or heard and experienced. The apostles who had seen the crucifixion, then the risen Jesus, felt utterly compelled to go around and tell as many people as they could about what they had seen. That's witnessing, telling others about what we have seen or heard or experienced. The second question requires a little bit more explanation. Why do we witness? And the answer is in two parts. Firstly, our passage shows that those first apostles considered the matter of witnessing to be nothing less than a point of obedience to our Lord Jesus. Peter says, we must obey God rather than human beings. Jesus had told them to preach the good news, to go and make disciples of all nations, and they considered it was a matter of obedience to do so. Even though the authorities had forbidden it. Peaceful disobedience, just like conscientious objection, has always been a mark of Christian witness. Fortunately for us, we don't face imprisonment in this country, um, or worse, for witnessing about Christ in our country. But as we all know, it can still cost your life in many other parts of the world. The second reason the disciples witnessed, and just as important as the first, is that the salvation of other people depends upon it. In verse 30, Peter says to the court, The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and saviour, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgiveness. So the point of the cross is the forgiveness of sins. Now, if you keep your finger in in Acts and turn to the gospel reading, perhaps on the service sheet, um, it doesn't really matter, either that or the Bible, um, we can see how this forgiveness is communicated and realised. The risen Jesus has appeared to his disciples in the gospel reading. And in verse 22, he breathes on them the Holy Spirit and he says, If you forgive anyone their sins, they are forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they're not forgiven. So on the cross, Jesus has taken all of the sins of the world and he has won forgiveness for everyone, potentially. But we only receive that forgiveness as it is communicated to us by believers and we put our faith in Jesus. It's not a magic trick where Jesus dies on the cross and the whole world is forgiven. That is not the gospel. That's why John's last words in this passage are so important in verse 31. He says, this is written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. You may have life instead of death. How? Through faith in Jesus. So this salvation, this forgiveness, this new life and the Holy Spirit, it all comes through faith in Jesus Christ. 
And faith in Jesus Christ can only come when witnesses, in other words, other believers, tell others about this amazing love and grace from God. And that's why Peter and all his friends are disobeying the authorities and risking imprisonment or worse. Not because they were on commission for conversions, but because they knew that the salvation of the people depended upon their witness. And there is no reason why that is any different today from what it was 2,000 years ago. Now, it's true that Jesus' witnesses have done such a good job in many parts of the world that something like 2 billion people, or about 30% of the world's population, are followers of Jesus Christ. But in our country, and in our parish, only about 5% go to church at least, And so, more and more, St. Matthews and each of us who worship here together need to become bold witnesses to the crucified and risen Christ. Last Sunday, I don't know if you were here or you might have been away, last Sunday, um, my son came to church for the first time in in years and years and years. He's 27, he wouldn't call himself a believer. Um, But do you know what impacted him most about the Easter Day service? It was when Chris came up to the front and witnessed to the transformation in his life from coming to believe in Jesus Christ. How his life had been utterly turned around for the better since putting his faith in Jesus Christ. So we've got two very strong reasons there for being witnesses. But how exactly do we go about being those witnesses? Well, the New Testament shows us many different ways that the apostles caught the attention of the community in Jerusalem. But one could probably break it down into three main things. Deeds, words, and power. The new community which started to grow in Jerusalem absolutely stunned those who saw what they got up to. Because they turned the materialism of the culture on its head. It was a culture where the common belief was that if you were rich and had lots of money, then God was blessing you. And if you were poor or sick um, or, or unemployed or homeless, then God was punishing you because you were a bad person. That's what, that's what the culture typically believed. But this new community turned their culture simply upside down by, they sh- because they shared everything that they had. Um, They gave their money away. They gave their possessions away. If you've still got your Bible open at the passage in Acts, look across the page to the left, chapter 4, verses 32 to 35. It describes this new community. All the believers were of one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had, so that there was no needy person among them. Some of the richer ones even sold land or houses which they owned and gave the money to the apostles who gave it to anyone who had need. Their deeds spoke for themselves. They cared for the poor and the widows and the orphans. They weren't worried about, overly worried about their pensions or their security. They simply gave and served and loved one another. Secondly, they witnessed with words. That's why the apostles had been arrested. When your deeds are so amazing, 
so loving, so selfless, you earn the right to speak into other people's lives. That's why Nelson Mandela, for example, commands the attention of the whole of South Africa and much of the world, because despite 27 years of hard labour on Robben Island, he came out and he forgave his white captors and he even loved them. He loved his persecutors and that earned him the right to speak for the country. And in our witness here at St Matthew's, I think we might consider how we could do more acts of loving kindness within the community. I think it would be wonderful if the talk of the town was, have you heard what the people from the church have done for this person or that person? Because that's what was going on in Jerusalem, in that new community. So that's deeds, words, and thirdly, power. Now, the kind of power I mean um, is not pressurising people or coercing people. In fact, it's the opposite of human power. It's about having the power of God's Holy Spirit within us, the power of God. Here's a couple of extracts from, from the passages that some of the passages we've looked at this morning. Um, with great power, the apostles con- continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. And we learned on the Alpha course, many of us have done the Alpha course over the last um, six or eight months or so, and we learned on the Alpha course, didn't we, that when a person puts their faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. It's what Jesus called power from on high. And when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we are much more effective witnesses. People see something in us which we cannot manufacture. We can speak very gently, but our words carry a tremendous power because they're inspired by the Holy Spirit. How do we receive this power? Well, it's through a lively faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, a faith which not only says, I believe, but also says, like the Virgin Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. In other words, a faith which, like those apostles who risked arrest and imprisonment, says we must obey God and do what he says. The Holy Spirit, says Peter, in the last verse of our passage, is given by God to those who obey him. So that's the how. And um, it's with deeds and words and power. And when we do acts of loving kindness and speak of our hope in Christ and receive power from on high, then our invitations to others to come to church or to come to kids' church or to come to coffee shop lunch stop or the Alpha course or whatever it is, those invitations in this year of the invitation will be received positively and people will say, yes, I'll come and try. Well, I've just about run out of time. So what about the when, the where, and the who? Well, that's easy in a sense. Because the when, the where, and the who are really whenever, wherever, and whoever. In the New Testament, we see that there was no place or time or person that was an unsuitable opportunity for being a witness to Christ. They witnessed in prison, in court, in the temple, by the pool during mealtimes, before kings, to the poor, at night, during the day, on the road, in people's houses, in letters. There simply was no wrong time to be witnesses. 
And they always witnessed with love, with deeds of loving kindness, by meeting people's needs, by giving away their money and possessions to those who needed them more. And they were never afraid to share in words the good news of the risen Jesus and the salvation which he has won for all who believe. The new community of Christ was a witnessing community, witnessing to God's love for the world in Jesus, his son, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.